welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Today's Bible reading is from Exodus 15, verses 19 to 21. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Amen. Good morning, all. Morning, Dave. Lovely smile. Lovely to see you all again. Well, some months ago, when Jonathan invited me to speak today, thank you, Jonathan, for inviting me to speak, he told me the theme at the moment would be the promised land and suggested that maybe Miriam would be a good person to focus on. And I thought that sounded like a great idea, but it was only after I said yes that it dawned on me that I didn't know much about Miriam. What an opportunity. And I thought, how is this that I have grown up my whole life in the church, and I don't know much about Miriam. So I did a bit of a survey. Maybe it's just me who doesn't know. I spoke to a few people who I know who I thought had pretty good Bible knowledge. I spoke to a dear friend of mine. What do you know about Miriam, I said, and she said, hmm, Miriam, Old Testament? (laughs) (laughs) And then I talked to my physio, who's a committed man of faith. I thought he might know. He said, Miriam, is that? Moses' mother. And I said, close. (laughs) Anyway, maybe you know a lot about Miriam, or maybe you don't know much about Miriam, but here's an opportunity to find out some more. I myself have realised that it's as I've been spending some time with Miriam and thinking about Miriam and God, um, that there's a lot lot to glean from there. And so um, this is a great opportunity to find out more. We first encounter her, or at least we think we first encounter her, back there in the early chapters of Exodus. A recap for those who need a refresher. The Hebrew people have been settled in Egypt for a long time, and they've been thriving there in Egypt. And Pharaoh, worried that their numbers were increasing, that they would take over the place, made them slaves. And then later, Pharaoh made the awful decree decree that to subdue the Hebrews and limit their numbers, all the baby boys should be killed. And God heard the cry of the Hebrew people and began to roll out the plan to give the Hebrew people a new leader who would lead them out of Egypt. But as with many things with God, even the grandest plans often start with something very small. So in Exodus 2, we read... Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And we have an image, I think, of Moses. 
leads with his sister. Oh, no, that's... Is there another image? Lovely. So here we have Moses in the reeds. Now, this picture is called Moses in the Bulrushes, which I find interesting because he's not the only one in the picture. So we have crackling. Uh, so... Now, we're not told the name of this sister. We're not told the name of this sister. But we find out later in Exodus that Moses has a brother, Aaron, and a sister, Miriam. So there is a strong chance, and scholars tell us that this could... could there's a strong chance that this is Miriam. Of course, it could be another sister. Um, but... Whoever it is waiting here in the bulrushes, possibly with wet feet and itchy, itchy arms from the bulrushes, um, it could be, could be Miriam. So let's read on. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. And Miriam, we think, is nearby watching all of this with her heart beating at a million miles an hour, knowing there's an awful lot at stake for her beautiful baby brother and her mother and her family. So she comes out of hiding and does a very brave and clever thing. We read on from verse 7. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So from this part of the Exodus story, we learn some important things about God. God hears the cries of his people. He knows what's happening for them. Like Miriam, or Miriam's sister, in the bulrushes, God is not distant. God is nearby, watching and faithful. We also learn that God has plans for his people and God has ways of putting the right people in the right place for those plans to unfold. Because if we were to read on in Exodus, we would discover that not only is the life of Moses saved through this moment of history down by the River Nile, but it also sets him up to grow up in the perfect environment to learn the ways of the Hebrew people as well as the Egyptian people. It will give him access to the royal household and to Pharaoh, which will be very useful later on in the story. And these are the things that will form him to be the leader he will need to be in the years to come. And we also learn some important things about Miriam. She is willing to put herself where she needs to be. She is willing to stay there as long as it takes. She's willing to watch and wait with wet feet and itchy arms, potentially. And when the time comes, she is willing to come out of hiding, to speak out, to be quick on her feet, to be quick-witted and to advocate for her brother. Because Pharaoh's plans were for death and oppression, 
and God's plans were for fullness of life and for freedom, and this young girl had a part to play in that. Fast forward, and years later, Moses has grown into a man and has all kinds of adventures, which fortunately prove to us that we don't have to feel sure of ourselves or be anywhere near perfect to be a leader in God's kingdom. And then follows an awful lot of argy-bargy between Pharaoh and Moses, during which Moses tries to convince Pharaoh to let his people go and be free to leave Egypt so that they could travel to the land of milk and honey that God has promised them, the promised land. And it's a good read, and I commend it to you to do that, but we can't cover it all here today because we're not talking about Moses. We're talking about Miriam. But eventually Pharaoh did let the people go, They packed up in a great hurry, not even waiting for their bread to rise. And and after having dwelt in Egypt as a people for 430 years, they left. We read that there were 600,000 men on foot besides children and a mixed crowd with them. So we don't really know how many people there were, but it was an awful lot of people. And then... As the Hebrew people were on their way finally, after all this time, Pharaoh changed his mind again and came after them with chariots and a massive army. And the Israelites, who like us perhaps, not always prone to optimism and faith, but instead were prone to whinging and complaining, said to Moses in this fantastic ironic statement, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the desert? Already they're complaining. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you only have to keep still. And somehow, and I don't really know how this happened, the Israelites were able to cross the Red Sea safely. But the Egyptian army, as they tried to cross, had a very different experience. And the Israelites found themselves on dry land, free from their oppressors and poised to head towards their promised future. And it is here, after that traumatic and frightening experience, and really a miracle, that we encounter Miriam, the sister of Moses and Aaron again reading from Exodus chapter 15, and we just heard it, but let's hear it again with the context. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry land. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. And there are some images. Over time, people have been fascinated by this Miriam and they've they've painted or done mosaics of what they think she may have looked like. So here's one in a Jerusalem church. Miriam with her timbrel and here's another. And then... An image of what it might have been, what, what the energy might have been as the women were dancing. And there are a few things that we can learn from Miriam here. Firstly, and importantly, 
we can learn to pack a tambourine. (laughs) So in the scripture, it's called a timbrel. It's an ancient form of the tambourine. The Israelites, they left in a hurry. They were told not even to wait until their bread had risen to bake because they had to get out of there in a rush. And yet here is Miriam with her tambourine. My husband Rod and I recently went walking on an adventure across Spain. It had to happen. It had to come up somewhere. Um, And we put a lot of thought into what we would pack in our packs because we had to carry everything. And I even cut the bottom off my pyjama pants so that I would be carrying less grams of weight. Such such was our, um, you know, work to make this thing lighter. But in all the thinking and preparing, even though we are people of faith, doing a Christian pilgrimage, we, we never once considered packing a tambourine. So what led to Miriam doing that? Packing a tambourine, I think, for Miriam was an act of hope. It's saying, we may be in fear of our lives. We may have the army of Pharaoh pursuing us. We're heading into the unknown and we don't know exactly where we're going, how we're going to get there, what we're going to eat or drink on the way. But we plan not just to survive, we will be living. There may be struggle and hardship. We don't know what it's going to look like when we get there, but we expect joy. Whatever the future holds for us, we plan to still dance and sing. We will be moving our bodies and lifting our voices in celebration and praise. Because praise is so important. It's good for us. It's good for the world around us. And it seems that it's also good for God because all through scriptures we are encouraged and told to praise and we read in Psalms that God is enthroned on our praises. When we praise it lifts our eyes above our current circumstances and reminds us that God is and of the qualities and of the character of God who created us, loves us and holds us. Miriam does this in her song when she sings, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. It also helps us to focus on what God has done. And when we sing or speak of what God has done for us, our praise witnesses to God's goodness and faithfulness to those around us. And Miriam does this in her song when she sings, Both horse and rider he has hurled, driver, he has hurled into the sea. We praise God in response to what God has done for us. If there were no human response to God's goodness, not only would it signify an appalling lack of gratitude on our behalf, but what God has done in the world would never become known. The purpose of all of God's activity in the world is made clear earlier in Exodus, in uh, chapter 9, verse 16. God's activity is so that my name may, may be declared throughout all the earth. And when we praise God, it goes in some small way to God's name being declared throughout all the the earth. So like Miriam, Miriam, let's pack our tambourines, figuratively, or actually, if you've got one, and let's be ready to praise. And here, as Miriam steps forward to sing her song and dance and play her tambourine, we read that all the women followed her. And no doubt the whole community were impacted by this joyous act of praise. So we've discovered some important things about Miriam. 
Miriam, we think maybe Miriam, as a young girl is present and takes an active part at the beginning of plans for the exodus there on the shores of the Nile. And many years later, she's front and centre in leading the Israelite people in praising God when he acts to rescue them from the Egyptian army on the shores of the Red Sea. There will be many trials to come as Miriam's people roam the wilderness for 40 years before finally crossing into the promised land. And spoiler alert, Miriam never crosses into the promised land. There will be many points at which people will need to make choices though on the way. Choices about the kind of people they want to be. One choice is to incessantly look back and complain about what they're missing out on about life in Egypt. Man, we read, they missed those cucumbers and melons and onions and garlic while they were living off quails and manna. And there are a litany of other complaints. Well, they had 40 years to do it, so... Um, and no doubt it was, it was certainly not an easy journey, but complaining was certainly something they did an awful lot of. Or will they choose instead when they miss something or are fearful about the future to bring out their tambourines and remember and praise God for being faithful in the past, for being present now and for holding their future? Now Miriam is mentioned again, not in the book of Exodus, but in Numbers. Very fascinating story because she wanted to see the face of God, which doesn't seem like a bad thing to me, but there were some consequences for that. I'll let you read about that in your own time in Numbers because we can't cover everything here. Um, and we also read about her in Micah when she's, read, uh, when she's listed with Moses and Aaron and Miriam as important people for the Israelite people. I wonder where you find yourself in this Exodus story. Maybe there are things about life at the moment that make you feel like you're still in slavery in Egypt. Or maybe something fabulous has happened lately and your life is currently all tambourines and praise. Maybe you feel like you're wandering in the desert and the, and the promised land, whatever that is for you, feels like it's an awful long way off. As for me, sometimes it's a bit of all of these things, but in one way I'm undergoing a bit of my own wandering in the desert patch at the moment. I'll tell you a story to, to um, help you understand. The other day I was at work feeling parched and in need of a break to clear my mind, so I went uh, to make a nice cup of tea. I took my beautiful green mug that someone had given me as a gift and my Earl Grey tea bag to the staff kitchenette, placed the tea bag in the cup, filled the cup with water from one of those urn taps with a blue button and a red button, so you can get hot water or cold water. And I began my usual practice of dangling the tea bag back and forward, which I like to do, because I like to that moment in the day when you stop everything and you just watch as the tea colour comes out of the tea bag and swooshes its way around the cup and all the busyness of the day just falls away just for a few moments. So I was doing that, but as I looked down, as I was doing my dangling technique, nothing happened. Nothing. No amount of dangling that tea bag made any difference to the colour of the water. And I was perplexed and bewildered. I mentally went throughout, through all the possibilities. Was there something wrong with the tea leaves? Was the tea bag somehow waterproof? <laughs> <laughs> or 
what is going on? What else could be happening? And I, I just popped my head out of the kitchen, <laughs> kitchen and I saw a colleague of mine who's eminently qualified to help me since she's the tea lady. And I said to her, what's wrong with this picture? And I explained what was happening. She thought for quite a while. She said, okay, you've got the tea bag, you've got the cup, you've got the water, yeah. She said, is it hot water or cold water? <laughs> and I thought, well, it's going to be hot water. And I felt the cup and it was not hot. Cold, I said to her. And she said, you are a dag, Liz. <laughs> And uh, we laughed about it together and I saw her on Friday and we're still laughing about it. And I can laugh, laugh about it, but sadly this incident is one of many incidents um, like it happening every day to me at the moment. It turns out, and this is not something we often perhaps talk about at church, when 50% of the population hit a certain age, usually around 51, their bodies are designed to change the way they produce certain chemicals which it turns out can affect absolutely every part of their body and life. Their eyesight can change. Oh, I've seen nodding already. It's harder to build and maintain muscle. Tendons don't work the way they used to. Energy levels can fluctuate. Thermostats go on the blink. Sleep is disturbed. Mood can be affected. Anxiety can kick in. And this can all change, not on a steady decline, but all in a matter of months. And you can feel like you're going mad. And perhaps most frustrating of all, a person can work their way to a place in life where a certain level of knowledge, skill and wisdom has been expected and accumulated and suddenly this chemical that has secretly lubricated their brain for 50 years goes on the blink and everything grinds to a halt or works intermittently, which is worse. And in that state, it can be hard to make a cup of tea successfully let alone work with the complex problem or hold down a complex job or prepare for a preaching gig. Everything can be harder. And they tell me that this is likely to be a phase and some of these issues settle down in time as the body adapts. We are, after all, fearfully and wonderfully made. But in the interim, if you or someone you love or live with is in the middle of this, or something like this, you'll know that it's no picnic. It can feel like you're wandering in the desert. It can feel like life looked pretty good back in Egypt. We didn't even realise it was so good. And the promised land is a long way off, if it exists at all. Perhaps there are people listening for whom this is a familiar story. It sounds like it. Um, sounds like it over here some women but also I, hear, I, see, I see one man who knows what I'm talking about. Perhaps there are people listening for whom it's a familiar story or you have your own different experience of wandering in the desert remembering when life was easier or you're hoping for good things to happen or for things to get better. Maybe you or a loved one is struggling with illness. Maybe there's conflict in your life or in your family or in your work. Maybe you're in the thick of grief. Maybe you're waiting for hope to return. While you are waiting, know that God isn't just somewhere in the far distant future in some promised land waiting for us to arrive to welcome us. No, God is in Egypt, hearing the cries of the people and making preparations for a way forward. And God is there too in the desert, 
feeding us and providing for us and leading us, though not always by the fastest route or not necessarily the route we would choose. God is present and faithful and listening in every season. And the character of God does not change even if our life circumstances do. So what shall we do? Who are we to be while we're waiting? Well, we heard before from Miriam, we make sure we pack our tambourine. We keep it in good working order. We bring it out and use it often. When there's a choice between complaining or praising, we continue to choose praising. Sometimes it might feel like we just want to sit on the couch or stay at home and sometimes there are times for doing that. But God often calls us off the couch to keep going and to trust that God will be there holding us up. And like Miriam, while we are waiting, let us stand ready to be courageous and to step forward when there is something we sense we have to offer that might be useful, like it was so useful back there on the banks of the Nile. Her actions as a young girl, over a few minutes, on one day, many hundreds of years ago, made an enormous impact on the story of a people for many generations to come. And as she reached for her timbrel and boldly stepped out from the crowd on the far side of the Red Sea so long ago, perhaps she was praising God just for herself or for herself and for God. Or perhaps she thought she was leading her own people in praise. But as it turns out, her timbrel, her song, her dancing, her praise echoes down the ages and declares God's name throughout all the earth. And she leads us in praise here in Aberfoyle Park or wherever we're watching this, even today. Let's pray together. God of Miriam, God of Moses, our God. God who created all that keeps us alive, all that gives us joy, you are worthy of praise. We praise you. When life is hard, When life is good, when we are waiting for relief or good news, you see us, you know us, you are worthy of praise. We praise you. We forget, we complain, we lose hope, we doubt you, you keep loving us, you tend to us, you guide us, you provide for us. You have shown your faithfulness in the past, you will show your faithfulness again. You are so worthy of praise. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.